Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. Today, my guest is Holly Weiler McKnight. Holly and I met through one of my favorite things, which is, of course, the Spirits of Kentucky, aka Brown Foreman. And I think you our paths crossed through, I don't know, one of the many brands. I know that you are the PR and partnerships manager for Old Forster and Ford's Gin. But what does that really mean? Oh, you know, I mean, I think anyone who's in PR uh, or knows someone in PR can tell you that that the job description is never as simple as it sounds like you're not Samantha Jones, um, but you kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. I mean, there's kind of two ways that I describe what I do. And the first way is that I kind of help shape how a brand, whether it be Old Forester or Forge Gin or any of the brands that I've worked on through my career, uh, kind of shape how that brand talks about themselves um, in the public sphere in earned media. Um, and then, and, and kind of, and figuring out what stories we want to tell, what stories we want to hang our hats on. And, um, you know, that's one piece that I really love is the storytelling element. And then the other side is, you know, working with journalists. And, and I always tell, you know, have always told interns and stuff like our job, the, the easiest way to define it is to make the journalist job um, as easy as possible. So pulling all those messages together in a way uh, that the journalists can use, giving them all the photos and collateral that they need to do their job so that they don't have to work so hard. Well, and that also makes it so that, again, part of a person in PR's job is so you guys are also help controlling the story. Right. I mean, managing the story as much as you can. I mean, you know, I think that's the big thing that, in PR, you're constantly trying to explain and, and help uh, bring along maybe some of the more marketing folks, bring them along in the journey of of understanding that like, once this leaves my desk, I really don't have any control over it. I'm going (laughs) to do the best that I can to uh, make sure that I've provided that journalist with as much fact-based information about the brand as possible, the right interviews and all of that. Um, and you know, also building great relationships makes a big difference. Um, I think I've over the years on various things that I've worked on, I've had, um, some sticky, you know, topics come up on, on various projects and have been able to kind of help make sure that the, the brand messages stay out the way that we want them to, and make sure that the stories come across the way we want them to, by having real conversations with the people who are writing the stories um, and making sure that they really are basing their stories in, you know, in the real facts and making sure that they have all that they need to know. Because I think a lot of times when you see a bad story, I mean, sometimes it's because somebody's done something monumentally stupid and screwed up. Um, But sometimes it's because the writer maybe didn't get the whole story. They just got one half of it. So, well, and I'm in a relationship-based industry in a lot of ways. I don't know if necessarily people identify that, whether it's on air or my, the marketing side. But like the only reason I know you is because you were in PR and our pathways crossed multiple times, yeah. typically involving something that involved one of the Brown Foreman brands, probably around Derby season. But yeah. then like that kept going. And now you and I have a different relationship, which is probably kibitzing over silly things on Instagram. But when I wanted a podcast guest, I said, Hey, Holly, what you doing? <laughs> and I mean, that's just all part of back to the relationships. I mean, my favorite old Forester memories are certainly at 7am on the backside of Churchill Downs on Derby week, already cracking some sort of old Forester drink, whether we're making Thurby punches out of it, whether we're doing old Forester mint juleps or the 62nd mint julep. I mean, there's favorite. <laughs> there's so many things or Jackie's eye can, of course, doing what she does dressed as a mint julep old Forester. I mean, it's truly a delightful time when I see you guys cross my path. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And I mean, you know, it's really easy to make friends when you when you show up with your arms full of bourbon. Like that's a great way to endear people to you. And so throughout the years prior to my time at Brown Foreman and I've worked on a bevy of different brands uh, in my career of trying to figure out like, okay, how am I going to get somebody really excited about uh, tires or, <laughs> uh, you know, 
this this project where they're trying to build some bridges downtown? How do I get people enthused about that? It's a lot easier when you're trying to get somebody excited about uh, distilled spirits. <laughs> yeah, it certainly doesn't take much. And I will say uh, guilty as charged when I see you guys coming. I'm like, oh, hi. And like wave madly. Um <laughs> But everyone knows that Marathon Week is certainly a mar- or I'm sorry, Derby Week is certainly a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And it is certainly something to be respected and handled delicately. Otherwise, you won't last. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, you know, you know from years of working with us that Old Forester is so, you know, about imbibing responsibly mm-hmm. and uh and jackie always says my favorite thing she, you know as it relates to derby but this is true of life uh the day is long the race is short so you got to pace yourself um so it's that is uh, the all re- good fun and uh and always you know with moderation in mind that is a ridiculously good way to put that. So before, obviously, the, the Holly Brown Foreman is now, did you grow up in Kentucky? I did. I did. I grew up here in Louisville um, and went to UK. So just down the road in Lexington, which, you know, inevitably will get you some some side eye sometimes in Louisville. But, you know, whatever. I came back. So that's all that matters. Um, and uh I kind of went straight into PR. I have worked uh, on so many different brands. I feel like I've lived a lifetime um, in the last like, you know, 12 years in this career. But I started actually at the Kentucky Derby Festival. I was Did you really? Trip. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably the first time our paths crossed because, uh, you know, it's the. You know. Wait, were you an event manager for them? Oh, I was a marketing assistant, but you know, those event like once it's a, once it's event season, everybody does events. Everybody's an event manager during event season. So Oh, then you and I certainly cross paths then because well, I've been working with Kentucky Derby Festival for almost 15 years as my job, but then also on the board the last several years. So, I mean, that is you're like in some of the foundational pieces then of Kentucky between spirits and then the Kentucky Derby Festival. Oh, is there well, I mean, well, and, you know, I'd also, so, I mean, I also did, uh, before coming to Brown Foreman, I came from 21C, uh, was my most recent role, was the director of PR at 21C Museum Hotel. So really like run the gamut there. Is there any brand that you have been a part of that you've seen go from like a baby brand to a huge brand that you kind of have that, um, I remember them when about? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, well, I think that's kind of come through uh, several places in my career. So uh, after I left uh, the Derby Festival, I worked uh, at an agency here in town called Bandy Carroll Hellage. I was there for like six and a half years. And uh, probably the first little baby brand there that I worked on was the Parks Project here, which is the... uh, the Parklands of Floyd's Fork. And we represented that brand um, from the planning phases, broke breaking ground through the opening of those parks, um, which is now like a, you know, Louisville institution. And it's amazing. Um, the biggest, you know, one of that is probably my involvement with Forecastle Festival. Um, and I've been doing PR for that festival just on my own, uh, I'd say it as a side hustle, but I don't get paid. So I think that disqualifies it as a side hustle. It's just a passion project. Um, But that festival has gone from, you know, being pretty small. I mean, it was established when I started at about 10,000 people. And now it's about 75,000 people. So I guess by that standard, it was a baby brand when I started doing that. I mean, so if for some reason someone is not familiar with Forecastle, it is what started as Louisville's own, I'll say Bonnaroo, Coachella, similar brands-ish as far as just an outdoor three-day-long massive festival. But I agree with you. I remember when it started off as this very small thing. And now I'm trying to think some of the biggest names that have been there are who now? Oh, I mean, so many. I was actually doing a, a chat with a student the other day, kind of mentoring, and, and he was like, what is your favorite, you know, year? And I was like, uh, the year that Outcast played, <laughs> of course. Like, how could you not, like, that was, it was monumental. Like, dancing to Outcast uh, in my hometown, amazing. Uh, Jack White, we've had the Black Keys a ton. Um, 
Nelly played uh, last, oh, yeah. not last year because we didn't have one last year because of the pandemic, unfortunately, but uh, two years ago, Nelly played. And so, you know, we're like, it's going down, down, baby, you know, like really taking it back old school, which was really fun, but it's, a, it's been all over the gamut. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of artists and uh, it's been such a fun thing to work on and see it grow. Well, it's been fun to see it on the flip side of a radio station promoting concert tickets, it's all of a sudden part of that festival loop. Like people know Hangout Fest is coming, Bonnaroo's coming, then you've got Forecastle, and then you move into all these other festivals. It's now like one of those ones that people from all across the country are coming in for now, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for the last, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, for a long time, we've had people from all 50 states, like other seven to 15 other countries, like, it's really gained a lot of momentum over the years. Um, our, we're actually partnered with AC Entertainment now. They're the producers of the festival, and they are the founders of Bonnaroo. So they kind of came to Louisville years ago and saw kind of what we had cooking and understood the vision and wanted to kind of dig into that. And so, um, and they've really taken it up to the next level. And I mean, honestly, like through COVID and it, without that piece of my life, it's so weird. I mean, it's given me more time to focus on, you know, I had a baby this year, so it's given me more time to focus on, you know, that and just like trying to deal with the weirdness of being at home all the time with my kids and trying to maintain my job. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm needless to say, I'm really looking forward to live events returning at some point here in the near future. Well, I think that's one of the industries that I know people know has been hit, but I don't think that they, if unless you're in the industry, do you realize how big of a change it truly is and how much is missing and how much there was just no work there for a while. There was nothing. It literally was like, I remember in March, it was like, this concert got canceled. This concert got canceled. March Madness got canceled. Derby gets canceled. I mean, it was like back to back to back to back to back. And I was like, wait a second. What about all those people in their jobs? But I mean, like it, we are a very arts events driven town here, but so is, so are most bigger cities, but it's felt so strange. Cause I mean, I just said to somebody, Oh, last year when we, and I was like, Oh wait, I guess the last time we did that was almost two years ago now. And I just can't believe that much time's passed already. Yeah. And it's been, it has been absolutely uh, devastating for so many people that worked in that industry. And like I said, for me, it's always just been a side thing and, and wasn't something that I was uh, hanging my hat on. I've always been fortunate to, you know, have great real jobs, as I say, um, to stay employed and, and uh, you're starting to see people, I, I think, figure out, you know, have you seen people figure out how to get creative and make some money, some artists and some producers and stuff. Um, but I mean, the fact is, it's just going to take time until that comes back. And, and cause so many of those artists and, and the support teams um, really just rely on touring income. And it's the only way you make money in that industry now. For sure. And I mean, I just, I know that I just hope when all of it does come back, people suddenly appreciate those ticket prices so much more because it's the opportunity to, to do that. The people look around and see the hands behind the scenes going, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're back. Thank you for bringing me this gift. Like when I saw that Broadway was even coming back in Louisville this November, I literally got choked up because I was like, oh my God, a Broadway show. Like we're going to be able to start experiencing the arts again and all of these things. And I, I hope for like, in my mind, of course, I love to stay on the positive side. I'm like, please, humanity, appreciate everyone again so much more than you did before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my God, I know. I mean, I have goosebumps right now just thinking about... <laughs> Uh, just missing that live experience of the arts and um, and culture and humans and energy. And I'm such an extrovert. And so being at home alone all the time is so hard for me. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, if I've spent as long as I have in the music industry, like, you don't do that because because uh, you're getting paid because I'm not. I do it because I love, you know, the festival. I love the energy. I love creating those experiences for people and creating memories for people. But I also love going to concerts and, you know, dancing with my friends and like 
there is no amount of Zoom calls that are ever going to replace that. Like, I need a hug. <laughs> no. And that's what I'm realizing. And I'm like you is I have some introverted tendencies, but ultimately I wouldn't be in the job that I'm in without being an extrovert for sure. But I've been at home since March and I was on maternity leave prior to that all but five weeks. So since November of 2018, I'm almost, no, November 2019, I have been home. Yeah. And all but five weeks. And I don't see my coworkers and you're right. No amount of zoom calls is going to make up for that. That's my, I might as well be watching television. I mean, granted I'm having a conversation with them, but it's not the same as like running into someone's office with a great idea or hugging someone after a massively successful event. I mean, it's, or having a shoulder to cry on when you're dealing with some of the worst days you've ever seen in your life and not knowing how to handle them, whether it's pandemics, whether it's riots, insurrection, like you name it, like all of them have happened in the last year. Um, Oh, it's terrible. I had a friend, I mean, this was like, I guess kind of in the middle of, uh, end of the summer kind of situation. And I had a friend call me about something work-related, wanted to pick my brain about, you know, something. And we started talking about this professional topic. And the next thing you know, it was like two and a half hours later that he and I like had spent on the phone just chatting and catching up and like talking about the world and processing our feelings about, you know, the racial crisis and, and everything. Like, it was just, it's, it was insane that we both were like, Oh my God, where did the time go? Like, obviously we've missed having these like human connections and people to process with. Yeah. I mean, I can remember calling my coworkers, same thing. And, um, either literally crying, going, what's going on? I is, is the world literally ending tomorrow? How am I supposed to discuss this? Or um, I remember I called one of my coworkers and she is a an amazing, amazingly wonderful single mother. She's African-American. And when the everything first started back this summer, right here in Louisville, I called her crying and I just said, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what else to do, but I need to call you and say that I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And we later podcasted that day and like, I wanted to hear her story too. But I mean, it's just been a, a, a year when you need more contact than ever. You are not allowed to have any. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. But I mean, you know, I think the, I think, um, I think some of, in some ways the pandemic did kind of, you know, facilitate a lot of the thing, a lot of these changes and a lot of these movements and uh, probably, you know, might not have happened now or, or might've been, you know, a delayed thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. No one can. My my only goal is what I, I just said, even about the events industry is that um, eventually when we're around people again, that in events again, that people do have a better appreciation, appreciation and decency towards all other people, because we, who would have thought if you would have told us last February, all of this stuff's going to get taken away from you. We would have laughed in your face and said, not a chance. No yeah. way. And it did. So it is possible. Um, I know, wow, you and I just went down a pandemic spiral, but it's hard yeah, not whoa. to. <laughs> but, so you, just rewinding slightly, and then we'll get back to Holly, the mom of two, having a baby during a pandemic. When did you meet your husband? Well, so, I mean, Forecastle. So I said, you know, I volunteered for that. My husband actually is the founder of Forecastle Festival. And that's probably one of the reasons why I've stayed involved so long. Um, and, but, you know, we, I volunteered for the festival like, 10 years ago, 11 years. I don't know what is time. Um, it was a long time ago. I volunteered for the festival and, uh, and met him and we, you know, started having meetings about PR. And the next thing you know, we were, you know, going down rabbit holes for hours at a time talking, you know, about everything. And, uh, and then quickly, you know, he turned into a budding romance. And dun, here dun, we dun, are. Dun. Yeah. All these years later, we're married. We've got two great kiddos and J- my husband, JK is actually retired uh, from the music business. He's doing uh, consulting full time now. And, um, and I actually am still involved with the festival and he's not, which is an interesting, uh, kind of paradox in our house for sure. So the music is obviously a common core love of you guys is considering how you guys met. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I thought I love going to concerts, like 
we both uh, just really sh- relish that, you know, live experience and kind of a, we, our first official date was a Pearl Jam concert. We were in the front row at Pearl Jam uh, May, May 7th, 2010 uh, in Noblesville, Indiana. And uh, you never look back, but last year was actually the first year that we've been together that we haven't traveled to see Pearl Jam. Um, That's kind of always been our thing, but we go all over, we've been all over to see my wearing jacket and a ton of, you know, we've obviously gone to a ton of festivals together um, as well. And, you know, so is there, is one of Pearl Jam songs like your song as a couple? Not really. No, not, we don't really have song. I don't think we really have a song. If we had a song, it would be a beach. It would be a beach house song. I think. Uh, I love this. I love how much like the music industry and traveling and going to concerts. I mean, that's a, that's a fun lifestyle. That's not the average couple's lifestyle. I feel like, Oh, we're way, we're really boring. It's really not as cool as it sounds. Um, but you know, I mean, I guess everybody has their thing. They, you know what they get into. And a lot of our travel is kind of centered around that and did for a long time because it was so much of our lives. Um, and I, you know, I would say in the last few years, we've definitely slowed down a bit and, you know, have tried to focus some of our travel and adventures on things that are more about, you know, just seeing the sites and being together and, um, and, obviously relishing when you have the rare opportunity uh for time you know needed time away from your children (laughs) it it is an important time it's an important time (laughs) so was it hard was it a huge life adjustment when you and your husband i would say it's probably slowed down some to i mean because when you have kids clearly all that shifts and then you're talking sitters and everything else did you guys find a, a difficult shift there when you guys decided to start having kids You know, I mean, I think we both kind of had this moment of like, this moment of like looking at each other, like, like we're ready for a change. Like we're ready for this next step. And, um, and then I think literally with like the, that moment of reckoning, it was almost like, I think I found out I was pregnant like the next day or something like it was something crazy like that. So, um, I mean, it's definitely been a shift and, and obviously like, you know, it's, uh, the pandemic obviously has put a lot of things, uh, you know, under the microscope and just, you know, you'll, you learn how you relate to one another and it's brought us closer, I think in a lot of ways, which is interesting. And, um, so. Are you guys both working from home? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, my husband has always worked from home his whole life. I mean, um, he's never had a nine to five and never worked in an office. So, um, we have a home office above our garage and that's where he has kind of spent all of his time. And, uh, and so now I am here full time too. So we have a little bit of space, uh, during the day and stuff, uh, you know, where we can kind of have a little bit of distance, which is good, but definitely like peak pandemic, you know, like during the summer when everyone was locked down and, uh, I was on maternity leave, um, and both of my kids were at home with me all the time and we couldn't go anywhere, do anything was definitely, you know, a bit stressful as, so, as many people know and, and experience. When did you find out you were pregnant with your second? Um, so that would have been, I guess, like in August, actually, I, speaking of concerts, we had gone to Denver to see my morning jacket play at Red Rocks. And, um, and I think it was like the next week that we found out uh, that we were pregnant with our second. So I think it's like right at the beginning of September, maybe, maybe mid August or something. So then you had him like, prime lockdown time then oh yeah i mean he was it was april 3rd so i I had worked from home for two weeks um and it was still like kind of in the phase where people weren't really wearing masks yet and you know it was kind of the wild west so going into that hospital was so weird and scary um but actually ended up being a great experience and um And then we came home and I'm like, well, this isn't the maternity leave that I signed up for. This was not what I had in my mind. Like, when do I get to lay down and cuddle with my baby and take naps? Oh, you don't. 
You have to vacuum. <laughs> That's the fun fact about having more than one child is that like the second, second, third, whatever maternity leave, it's like, oh, wait, there's another kid who still needs me to do all these things. Oh, nap while they're napping. How am I supposed to do that and take care of both children? Like, oh my God. It, it doesn't happen. So I had my third in November of 2019. So I went back to work mid January last year and was back home in March. Um, so I did not have her technically during COVID, but I, I barely went back. I was back from maternity leave, not even a full six weeks before I was back home again. So I was super excited to be back home because she was my last. And I was like, great. I don't have to deal with a breast pump. I don't have to deal with bottles <laughs> I home. But then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, I'm working from home. I have a baby literally attached to my body and I've got two kids trying to figure out virtual learning when they hadn't really figured out virtual learning yet. And you're right. That's not what a extroverted full-time working mom typically deals with. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and my, my daughter, uh, She'll be four next month, but she had, so she had, she turned three the day we went into lockdown it was her third birthday. So she's like going into this new phase of being a three-nager wanting to like exert her control and just generally being a kind of a turd, um, becomes a new big sister, uh, which is obviously a transition time and then gets plucked out of school and out of her routine, um, and and stuck at home with boring me and uh my lack of you know creativity for crafts and whatever else you're supposed to do um and i mean like i cried every day i cried every day for like a good three months like literally just sobbed like (laughs) this is terrible (laughs) i can laugh about it now (laughs) well I, I I don't I haven't cried every day, but I have certainly had moments of crying far more often than I ever had before because when all of a sudden you're working from home and everything's at home, there's no escape from home. Usually home is your escape from work and sometimes vice versa. So when there is no escape and you're just here all day, I mean, literally there are times when I've looked down and I'm like, I have worn the same shirt for two days and that includes sleeping in it. <laughs> or I'm like, I've used a lot less shampoo and conditioner. Cause I'm like, I think I only take two showers a week. What is happening? Yeah. Like I, I mean, and you totally get it. Cause you're, our kids are only about a month or four months apart, but it's, it's very hard to lose yourself. I mean, postpartum is hard enough as it is now throw postpartum into a pandemic and you're at home with your kids. I mean, like it's just a whole new kind of spiral trying to figure out who the hell you are. Oh, absolutely. I saw that you were getting um, back into working out the other day. And I was like, good, go you. Like, once I kind of started slowing down on nursing, um, and then I was able to kind of have a little bit more time in my life. um, And I started getting really into working out. And I mean, I would probably say I've gone back into it more fervently than even I did than I have, you know, at any point in my life. And I mean, I feel so much better. And, um, but, you know, I mean, for me, it's all about like, I'm so much nicer to my family and I just feel like a person because I just felt like I am not myself. Like I am not a human. I am like just some sort of weird cog in a wheel that breastfeeds and changes diapers and gets on zoom calls looking like a trash heap. That, I'm pretty sure you just described me. <laughs> um, literally, the, I'm still breastfeeding my f- now 15 month old. Um, and she mostly just eats regular food, but I can't seem to wean her at night enough. And part of that's been because I've been around her nonstop since she was born. So she hasn't had to wean from me enough. She hasn't had to separate from me. I'm always here, which is amazing. But the downside to that is I've had more sleeping issues with her. And I think it's just because she knows I'm there. Yeah. Um, but it, I've told my husband sometimes in the middle of the night when I'm getting up to go breastfeed again, it's like, I feel like fragments of myself or I often say a shell of myself, like the pieces are there and like that obviously the outer part of me is there, but like, I don't identify with myself currently. First of all, my body needs to drop weight and I haven't figured out how I couldn't figure out a way to get out of the spiraling nonstop circle of 
get up, walk across the hall, go to work, get kids up for school, make sure they've done school all day, go back to work, make check on the kids, go put the baby down for a nap. Well, now she's being a shit. She's not going to bed fast enough. And I've wasted an hour and a half. Go back into the Zoom calls. Now it's at the end of the day. What about dinner? What about bath time? What about putting him back to bed? And I'm like, wait, I need sleep too. I'm already sacrificing at night. I mean, yeah. it until my kids went back to school in person for the first time last week, did I see a glimmer of, oh, wait, I think I can find 30 minutes. And you mm -hmm. are right. Working out helps me with my anxiety. It helps me clear my head. It does make me feel more fulfilled and gives me hope of I can find myself somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, after three kids, my body's probably never going back to what it was, especially three kids after breastfeeding. Those oh, probably yeah. are never going back by themselves nope. without surgery. Uh, <laughs> but it my body also likes to hang on to weight when I'm breastfeeding fun fact, but I'm starting to see glimpses of that. And it started with something as small as put on your Apple watch and track your steps. Are you moving? Just even just seeing something as small as my watch counting steps gave me like a, Oh, I need to do something. I literally didn't wear my watch for a year as if I thought I didn't need to. Oh my God. I'm, I did literally the same thing. Literally the same. Just took it off. Just didn't even wear it. Didn't even nope. wear it. Didn't even wear it again because you just kind of feel lost in this time warp of what is happening. Yeah. And so now I'm like trying to like grab the steering wheel back and be like, no, I'm in control. Yeah. Um, well, and the body, and I mean, for me, the body thing is so like secondary uh, or, or tertiary. I mean, it's, it's not, it's great to feel like I'm seeing progress. Um, and obviously that helps you feel better. But for me, like it's all about my mind. I mean, more than anything, it's my mind because I am a perfectionist and I am extremely high, strung and very high anxiety. And my anxiety outwardly comes out as, you know, like a little bit of rage sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and being able to not react in that way is so freeing. And that's what I'm trying to find again. Like, cause you're right. Even sometimes it's just like how I would react to getting impatient with my kids. And then I'd yell. And now I feel like mean mommy. And I'm like, well, I probably didn't need to yell over that. That probably wasn't a moment where I needed to do that. Um, yeah. but I, so I, you're right. All of a sudden I'll just get that snap moment of like, I don't know what to do. Um, and it's, it's a challenging year for all of them, but I mean, have you found that your baby is, do you think he even knows? I say he's a pandemic baby, but do you know, do you think he realizes that, oh, I don't get to leave the house and go to Target and wander around <laughs> with mom more, or I'm not going and seeing other baby friends. Like, do you think he knows at all? Well, I mean, he definitely was very, I mean, for, cause for the longest time, like, I mean, he saw my mother-in-law very, very rarely. And he saw my dad, um, and my stepmom occasionally. And so he was so weird about even being around like my mother-in-law or my sister-in-law. Um, we actually, after the first of the year, put him in daycare, um, which, you know, it was so great having him home for nine months. I mean, when Maple, my older daughter was born, I, you know, had her home for three months and then had to go back to work and put her in daycare. And like, I just remember how devastating that was because you, it is devastating at, at three months, you feel like you're just starting to really get to know your baby and they're starting to do cute things. You're like, I'm not ready. I mean, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be home with them because so many people don't even get that. But at three months, you're just like, you're still so tiny. I'm not ready for this. And now by January, I was like, okay, like he's actually a raptor now. So I can't, <laughs> I can't keep him home with me anymore. And, um, and it was a couple days transition, but now he like really likes being with the, you know, other babies and stuff. So I definitely think at least at this age, it's, it's, it's good and it's the right time. I remember like sobbing when I had to go back to work after baby three. And that was the only time I've ever taken 12 weeks. The other two, I only took seven, wow. um, which is insanity. I have no idea. But I remember I ran into work on the first day back, like in tears, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't be away from her. She's not ready. Um, and then magically less than six weeks later, I was home every day. <laughs> um, my only silver lining, and I, I mentioned this often, but I live in a multi-generational home. So my it's two houses and one of my parents are here. 
So luckily my parents are right here and they help with my older kids in virtual school. They, my mom and dad retired just in time right after I had the baby anyway, to be the, like to take care of her during the day. So now like, I don't even know if you've heard screaming in the background, but as we're doing this today, like I just heard my mom take all the kids outside to go sledding. And, um, even though my mom, I'm like in my own house and my mom guilt just went, you should be going outside to take yeah. them sledding. Yeah. But I'm just like, no, mommy also has to work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, luckily, my kids, we live in a big household. So I mean, they haven't, I feel like they're little, they're seven, five and 15 months, but I don't feel like they they know that the pandemic's going on. They know they haven't been in school. They know they haven't been around their friends, but I have not heard them actively complain about it. And I think it's truly amazing the resiliency of kids right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just, they kind of, I think, adapt. They're very adaptable. And that's a great thing. And I mean, we talk about it a lot of, you know, when the bug goes away, what are we going to do when the bug goes away? Um, but also, like, I think now that, especially now that she's in school and has a measure of routine that Maple, um, you know, is happy and you know adjusted and she got through the age of three and the big sister transition and all of that and and now she's you know doing great so have you guys adjusted to having two was it a big change for you I mean honestly thank god I'm not going to the office because I can't imagine the like how you get in and out of your life like the daycare drop off and get everyone to school. Like it's already so hard. Um, even being home when I like, don't have to be showered and I literally like roll to drop off in my pajamas. Um, so that's been like a blessing in disguise. A hundred percent. I think in general, like, I mean, we've rolled pretty good other than, you know, the, just the everybody being home. And, and that was like a little tough emotionally, but, um, I mean, you know that I think when you have your first kid, you're like, oh, wow, like this is a lot. My, my life is totally different now. And then you have your second. You're like, oh, my God, my life is a zoo. <laughs> um, and my husband actually started using this analogy, which is so great. I thought like like our house is like a conveyor belt, like food comes in, food goes out, like toys come in, toys go out. Like everything is just like constant motion all the time everyone coming and going in opposite directions. And uh, it's just, it's a bit of a grind. It's a bit of a hamster wheel, but it is because <laughs> that's the other part of being home all day. Cause you're like, wait a second, everyone still needs to eat. Yeah. Everyone still needs to eat now three meals a day versus like being off to work and doing something. Oh wait, the vacuuming still needs to be done. The dishes are still in the sink. I better set the coffee pot for tomorrow. And then I'm now trying to like make sure, do they have all their school stuff together? You're right. It is a conveyor belt of certain things just going in and out, in and out. And sometimes my husband, it's funny. He'll be like, we don't have to put away the laundry today or just leave the dishes until tomorrow. And I like floated (laughs) outside of my body. And I'm like, no, because this is a task I can control. And I need to feel in control of something because I like you am a perfectionist control freak. And I'm like, this is going to be something I'm going to control right now. Because if this stacks up now two days in a row, it's going to make me feel crazier. So I need to get this done right now. But you're right. It is very much a conveyor belt. I mean, I will say it is... It is harder from two to three, probably because of the age difference between them. My first two were less than two years apart, but then there was a almost a six and a half year age difference between my son and now my baby. So all of a sudden getting back into the baby days was a lot harder, but having three kids versus two, I don't feel like was necessarily harder. The one to two, I agree with you. It is a much different shift. I mean, just something as simple as like, I need a babysitter. Well, if you're asking someone to watch two kids, well, that's a lot more cumbersome than asking them to watch one kid. Um, Two mouths to feed, two doctor's appointments, two kids to get ready. It starts adding up real fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we haven't even had the joy of a babysitter. Like, I don't (laughs) miss that. I miss having, I miss paying someone to take care of my kids. Well, I do technically have my parents here to help me with the kids, but they're not here so I can like go out right. on dates necessarily because I'm not going out on dates. My husband and I, we're literally like, you want to do a late night date night? And that just means we turn on a movie and eat like sushi in bed. Like that's yeah. our new version of like a date. Yeah. Well, my husband asked me um, last night or Saturday. No, Saturday. He was like, do you want to do you want to uh, watch a movie tonight after the kids go to bed? I was like, I can't. 
I got some work to do down in the down in the hidey hole on my dollhouse. I can't I can't have a date night with you and watch a movie because I have to work on my dollhouse. Me so um I will also say like I can't remember I don't really watch movies very much because I know I can't stay awake that long after the kids go to bed to watch no. a full movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all like i'm all about like the 30 minute sitcoms so wait a second you just brought up a dollhouse <laughs> I, do, I do want to bring this up because this has become like something very unique to you that i feel like you might as well just start your own little series about um you are currently redoing a dollhouse and by redoing a dollhouse i mean you're over here trying to be chipping joanna Gaines on this thing <laughs> i mean well let me just say that First of all, I spend I've spent a lot of time now going down an Instagram click hole of people that like are true dollhouse influencers, and there are some. Talented, That's a thing. Oh my god, there are some talented people out there doing some crazy stuff with miniatures. Let me tell you, it is a fun rabbit hole to go down. Very satisfying. Um, but yes, I so uh, when I was a little girl, my great uncle. Um, made me my sister and I dollhouses and my dad having you know the foresight to think that we might want to keep them put them away for all these years and uh I felt like with my daughter turning four that she was old enough to be able to you know have that and enjoy it so I got it out of storage and I was like wow this is so ugly (laughs) and uh and I was like well maybe I'll just like spruce it up a little bit like I'll just like, you know, just paint the outside to look like our house and get some new furniture. Well, that quickly became like, okay, I'm going to put down like some tile in the bathroom and some hardwood floors. And if I'm putting down floors, I got to put down trim work. Um, <laughs> and, I love uh, that you earlier said you are not crafty, which I am not crafty in the slightest. I'm a, you and I are both, well, I am very creatively minded when it comes to my job. But I'm not crafty, if yeah. that makes sense. I don't do creativity with my hands in the sense of making something and putting it together like that. Yeah. Um, well, I like tools, and I, I, I'm I'm kind of the one with power tools and stuff in the in the family. So, uh, so I think of this less as a craft and more of a like home improvement project. It is a really small, and the stakes are lower. Now, <laughs> I, I will say, when it comes to home improvement stuff. I am by no means a dainty person. My husband and I tiled our ba- our showers. We've tiled many backsplashes. I'll be the first one in there. I know how to grout anything. And t- I c- I've been the foreman on a job, being the one laying all the tile um, and telling people what to do. I don't like the saw and I don't want to mess with the, the sharp things. But minus that, I got you. So, I mean, like, I don't shy away from a good project. You're right. If, if you could separate it by that, I do love a good project in that way. I But I don't consider that crafting. So dollhouse renovation may be for you. Um, I do have two daughters. So what cracks me up is that you're like, I'm going to redo the floors. And then I'm going to do this. Like, I need a show that's like on, I don't even know. Like, this sounds like a show that would be on PBS. I don't know why on PBS. But maybe, um, PBS is my favorite. So see, I think that works. <laughs> that if I had like I have my Instagram set to private because I like to share pictures of my kids and I mean I would say there's a there's a good like 150 to 200 people that have really become invested in this project uh men women you know it's not separated by gender I mean people are loving the content um and I'm like it's a shame I'm not like a real influencer because I could probably get a lot of followers but uh, so do you think this is probably the biggest hobby you have picked up in the pandemic is dollhouse renovations? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I mean, it's, it's the only hobby I think I've ever had like in my adult life. My hobby has always <laughs> been work. That's how I became a music festival publicist was like, I need a hobby. Oh, I'll just keep working. Um, and so I think this is probably the only hobby I've ever had. I mean, I've, I've sewed, you know, like a little bit here and there, like, oh, I need new curtains. I can sew. I know how to use a sewing machine. Um, and and now I'm like, oh, now I, I have a hobby and I really like this. I find it fulfilling. And maybe I'll start sewing clothes after I'm done with the dollhouse. Um this but. just cracks me up, but you do bring up a certain thing. I know like growing up, it's always, what are your hobbies? What do you do for fun? Blah, 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 blah. In my adult life, you're right. Outside of like hanging out with my kids, I don't know if I can actually tell you what my hobbies are because work is my hobby. Oh. I mean, that's in that, you know what? You're slowly convincing me that I need to renovate a dollhouse. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, who has time for a hobby when you have kids and a job? Like you just don't. I mean, but now I guess I've figured out how to make time. I mean, my biggest thing through the pandemic, because I was already baking bread, you know, that was something I already enjoyed doing. Uh, I love cooking. Uh, but then, I mean, that, I quickly tired of that when I had to put three square meals on the table every day for my family. Um, but I've read a lot. I mean, I read, I think I read like 30 books or something last year, which like I've never read more than like three books in a year. So uh, that was probably my my biggest, you know, pandemic hobby up until, you know, like the beginning of January. And now it's dollhouse crafting. I wish I could have said that reading. I love reading and I'm a very fast reader. I love reading books. When I start reading a book, my husband knows it's like, I can be scrolling my phone and just mindlessly looking at Instagram and carry on a conversation. If I'm reading a book, I have no idea what you're doing. Like it is my own little world. It's my own little realm, but I have not had a chance to read. I will say in last year, we made a really big garden. Um, so my mom and I were like in the garden every single day. And then it was like, obviously tending to the garden and then cooking with what we had from the garden. And then when there was too much to cook, it was canning things from the garden and figuring out what we could can and what we could cook. So I will say that was a hobby for me last year. And it was probably one of my favorite things that we did. And it was like, I remember I would strap the baby to me and we'd go out in the garden and I'd like have a big bucket and I'd be like awkwardly bending to pick up the tomatoes and the zucchinis and collecting the spaghetti squash. So, I mean, I definitely went down that rabbit hole and we too also baked bread. So that wasn't like a newfound thing, but the, the gardening was something that I absolutely loved and the kids loved and the kids would run through the garden and they would get excited when we'd find new pumpkins or whatever it was. And I mean, I, th there have been some in there, although I'm, it's currently not the season for gardening and maybe dollhouse renovation will be my thing. I've started with watching you, but now that I know <laughs> there's other influencers, there's an influencer of everything, but I think there's something about the miniatureness of it that makes it endearing oh, that I'm going to totally be drawn to. <laughs> it is. I'm like, oh God, this is so cute. Everything is so cute. And the stakes are low. I'm like, oh, okay, who cares? Like, So wait, matter. are you like wearing like a little flashlight on your head and like you've got your whole set of like paints and like tiny brushes and oh. tiny tools? Well, I work in the basement and I live in a hundred year old house. So the basement is like very dungeness and like has like, I have like one single light bulb that hangs above my head. Oh my so God. The, the funny little headlamp was more, you know, a, a uh, necessity. It was a necessity. Um, but now, you know, it's become the hallmark of my content that people really like <laughs> when I put because the helmet it's on. it's different. I'm telling you, you have a thing. You could start a quick little, like, a little YouTube series of, like, you renovating a dollhouse. I don't know. I mean, this could be your future. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, you know, the other day, I, I'm sure you voted. I put up a, you know, poll on Instagram. I'm like, is this, am I, like, totally killing it and being just, like, creative and amazing building this treasure for my child or am I going down the road to a 2007 Britney Spears meltdown <laughs> because my brother-in-law really thinks I've lost my mind <laughs> no I, I actually did vote on that I do remember exactly what you're talking about and no I voted that you didn't because again you it is your job to plan to forecast and control and we got that taken away from us very quickly. As a mom, of course, you get that taken away. But at work, you could still possibly control those pieces. When all of that's gone, I feel like our brains are seeking out something that can, we can feel like we're in control. We can see the progress. We can use our hands and distract all those other parts of our brain that are thinking about all the crazy yeah. And you can focus your energy for a while. And it's like a brain break. Yeah. Like, no, you quiet the mind. I mean, my mind when I'm dollhousing is, is just on whatever I'm doing. You're, you know, I'm listening to music, but that it, that's secondary. I mean, I've definitely lost hours where it was just silence in the basement and the same, same as working out. Like, I mean, I, I think for some people, maybe they spend their time running or working out or whatever, like thinking through things. But for me, it's not thinking about anything. It's just giving space between my ears. And I think the dollhouse is kind of the same way. It's very meditative to be working on something that's really small and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of like repetitive 
motion when you're painting something small or uh, whittling down a tiny piece of tile so that it fits in the confines of your tiny room. See that. And that's what I feel like about working out and other pieces like that is I need my brain to get a second to breathe. I, that's not where I want to solve problems. My brain needs a break so that when I, after I get done doing that, it can continue, continue to solve problems. Mm -hmm. But I need that moment of just, focusing on one thing i used to that was part of my favorite thing about the commute which i recently read that people commuting um they miss sometimes having that solitude in their car and i used to listen to podcasts while driving and i remember feeling so fulfilled and like calm just listening to somebody else talk but being focused on them entirely and feeling like I was learning something, even if it was just something about somebody else. And I was just like, my brain needs this. I feel like I'm feeding my brain right now. And I, unfortunately, without my commute, I don't, I rarely get to do some of those things anymore. So now it's turned into like turning on music and dancing around the kitchen while cooking dinner or something like that. And that's like a tiny, tiny weird way to do it, but not enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, that is uh, the, I, I feel that since I've gotten more into working out and carving out time for myself, since I've started the dollhouse, I feel like my work brain is actually like really just firing on a different level. And I mean, uh, I think it's all about, you know, breaking beta, you know, it's like when you're, when you, when you are in the shower and you come up with your best idea, like, yep. It's all about changing your brain waves and uh, and opening up some space, and then that helps you find the back door into some new and different ideas. I'm a, I've always been a firm believer in doing that. My dad and I both have a weird knack of um, thinking about problems when we sleep. And then finding solutions to them while we sleep and we wake up and we're like, oh, yeah, that would work. Um, my husband always thinks that's super strange because he doesn't usually remember his dreams. But I mean, I've had dreams so specific where it's like I've lost something. And in my dream, I found it. And I will go find it in that exact spot in the morning when I wake up. I'm like, I think I know where it is. And it's right there. Um, Sarah, that is like prophetic stuff. Like, I, that is amazing. I wish that my subconscious was that smart. It doesn't do it a lot, but a lot of times it does do that and it's very weird <laughs> or I'll have like these strange dreams where I think something's going to happen at work and then I'll call my boss the next day and I'm like hey just I need to figure out and then I'm somewhere in the realm of something's going on and I don't know if it's just while I'm sleeping I'm starting to put together pieces or something I don't know it's weird uh, it's not necessarily restful sleep when I do these things yeah. but I mean it does help it is helpful sometimes so <laughs> Well, Holly, I'm glad that I'm not alone in the pan the pandemic baby realm and the being at home all in on the nonstop onslaught of Zoom calls and trying to have some sort of face-to-face -face interaction. And I'm so glad that it's just it's nice to feel not alone in this realm, which is the whole reason why I started this podcast of just people not feeling alone. And if they don't have a village of support, trying to at least let them hear other women to know that, hey, guess what? You're never alone. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to continue to watch your dollhouse adventures because this could be my next hobby. I'm going to look into this because I'm, I've got the tools. I think I'm ready. I just need to find a good dollhouse. But ooh, that could be fun in a search by itself. Right. I mean, I feel like people find them on, you know, at thrift stores or picking them up off the side of the road or so. So I've heard, you know, or you can just make one. There's kits. You can build one. So, oh, no, if you really want to go deep, you can really go deep. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast talking to you. And uh, of course, not feeling so alone in the world and uh, always look forward to the time when I can see you and maybe we can drink a cocktail that's made by someone besides ourselves. That would be delightful when you're like not trying to be fancy in your own house. You're like, look at me, it's cocktail hour. Really, you're just in your PJs <laughs> naming yeah. cocktail hour. Would somebody make me some kind of syrup that has like 20 different ingredients in it, please. Please. And can you shake that, please, and find these rare ingredients I'm never going to find at the grocery store, please. Yeah. <laughs>